The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, <laughs> racing's regular guy. All right, welcome back to the Twilight Zone of Racing, everyone. This is Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and I'm glad you're tuning in. Even though racing has been scaled back a bit, it's still out there, and there's still breaking stories every day, and uh, there's still more and more, you know, uh, indications that the door to racing is being slowly pried open, uh, even though it may be spectatorless for uh, a while. We'll find out when um, it was announced, uh, I know, uh, in my neck of the woods in, uh, in southern Ohio, that a week from tomorrow, all the bars and restaurants are opening. Obviously, with plenty of space in between everybody, in Kentucky, hopefully, won't be far from us. Uh, I haven't read too many updates on the plans to open Churchill on the fifteenth, at least for training. Uh, for everything you read, it's it sounds like uh, they're moving forward and they're prepared to go with spectatorless racing. Uh, come the uh, the end of May, they've adjusted their schedule and. We'll find out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new faces there because all the big jocks are dying for a big venue to race at. Okay, let's set up tonight's show for you. Um, Lawrence Scanlon will be my first guest. And he is an author and a researcher. And, um, you know, during this, uh, shall I call it downtime, uh, I've finally been getting around to getting books that I've ordered online. And one was The Horse God Built. All right, everybody, who do you think that is? Well, the untold story of Secretariat, the world's greatest racehorse. That's the book I'm holding in my hand right now. But I held in my hand a a book that I guess you could say he co-wrote, and a lot of you people might remember this, The Man Who Listens to Horses, which was the memoir of horse trainer Monty Roberts. Of course, everybody remembers him as uh, being uh, the, the famous horse whisperer, and a lot of uh, things have been written about him and what a great guy he is and what a fantastic communicator uh, he is with the horses. So that was published back in 97, but it spent more than a year on North America's bestseller list. And it is just a fantastic book. Uh, not only was he great communicating with horses, but he was great in communicating with people and teaching them respect and, and how to handle horses. Uh, th this, that book was so popular. It was translated in Germany and Spain, uh, throughout Latin America. There was a children's version of the book uh, that was also hugely successful. So uh, anyhow, really looking forward uh, to talking to uh, Larry Scanlon. The, the interesting thing about this, the book on Secretariat is he kind of took a different turn on it. And as much as it is about Big Red, as we know, uh, the book is very much about Edward Shorty Sweat, Eddie Sweat. Maybe that rings a bell with you. Yeah, he was Secretariat's groom, worked for Lucian Lauren for all those years, and uh, also had 
uh, the other, uh, you know, Reva Ridge and some of the other great horses from uh, Lucian Lauren's barn. So uh, we're going to learn more about uh, how we approach this book, uh, talking more about, uh, I remember know him as Eddie Sweat, but he, he calls him the, the nickname that most of the people around the backstretch did, and that is Shorty Sweat. So that is going to be Larry Scanlon. And then after that, I've told you folks in the past that uh, you, you, you want to kind of bookmark uh, this this website, Horse Racing Nation, and uh, subscribe to it. It's, it's free to subscribe to, and uh, it comes in your box two, three times a week, not overwhelming, not pushing products on you, and, uh, but uh, Horse Racing Nation uh, is uh, now uh, the new editor is none other than Jonathan Lintner. And uh, so we will uh, be uh, talking about, uh, A, him moving into the position as the editor, and B, about how he stays on top of the stories. Because when you pull down uh, their website, I mean, they are right on top of the stories. They cover everything. And we're going to see, uh, you know, what what uh, what's the, the newest news that, that he has. Now, um, obviously, our gambling opportunities have been somewhat limited, uh, but uh, we had a really good day at, uh, with the easy win forms at Winning Ponies yesterday uh, at Tampa Bay, uh, where they're going to have some good racing and, uh, and have and a lot of full fields, a lot of grass racing. Uh, but in the sixth race, um, and I'm sorry, on May 6th, yesterday, in race eight, uh, we had a $1 Super 5 box that paid $2,600. Uh, had great, great success at Tampa Bay. A lot of hits. Um, uh, you can go right up on the website, winningponies.com, and, and see the results. But we're killing it at Tampa Bay. Of course, we just had our last opportunity at Oak Lawn on Saturday. And in the ninth race, uh, pulled down a, a 10 cent super that paid over $1,400. All right. Larry Scanlon, Jonathan Lintner will be our guest. And don't forget to pull down those easy win forms. We'll make it easy for you. All right. Well, let's catch up on some of the national news. Uh, seven new members have been elected to the National Museum uh, of Hall of Fame. And the ones that you will know the most are trainer Mark Cassie. And two-time horse of the year, a wise Dan, who I believe still resides down at Chuck Lepresti's farm. So tentatively, the induction ceremony is scheduled for August 7th uh, at the Phasic Tipton Sales Pavilion in Saratoga. Let's hope that all the health regulations and everything regarding the COVID-19 will be in play by then and we're okay. Now, of course... uh, Cassie, um, most recently known as the trainer of War of Will, who he'll send to post uh, down at Gulfstream Park in the sunshine forever on Saturday. Uh, 59, native of Indianapolis, uh, took out his trainer's license in Massachusetts when he was only 17, saddled his first winner at Keeneland. And, uh, you know, since then, some of the horses uh, you'll know that he was associated uh, were... uh, well, of course, Preakness winner, War of Will, uh, Eclipse Award winners, Classic Empire, 
Shamrock Rose, the great Teppen, uh, world approval, and uh, does a lot of racing north of the border. And uh, he's had Horse of the Year honorees up there with Catch a Glimpse, uh, Lexi Lou, Seely Hill, Uncaptured, and an amazing horse, Wonder Gado. He's won seven races in the Canadian uh, Triple Crown. So uh, uh, congratulations uh, to uh, uh, Mark Cassie. And uh, we want to wish him nothing but the best. And, of course, Wise Dan got to watch him run uh, live and in person, uh, a a beautiful uh, light-colored horse uh, who just ate up the grass wherever he went and ended up with earnings of $7.5 million. He competed for four years, winning 19 graded stakes, 11 grade one events. He certainly deserves his place and honor aboard uh, Union Avenue there in in Saratoga Springs. Um, uh, Daryl McCarg also will be brought in. You got to be my age. Remember him. He's 65 now, but uh, he won the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey and the George Wolf Award uh, for being one of the classier people in the sport. Now, Last week, we saw Charlton. I'll be talking about his race here in a minute. Uh, but it looks like Hill and Dale has secured the breeding rights to the undefeated grade one winner, Charlton, uh, who won the first division of the Arkansas Derby. And so uh, he will be standing down there. Uh, Hillendale President John Sakura, very pleased, obviously, emancipability, superior pedigree, confirmation, great female family, and uh, just star quality uh, appeal. So not sure when he's going to retire. I hope he gets to race to be a little bit older. But right now, we know, we know where he's going when he is done. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a uh, an influx of uh, top jockeys uh, down into uh, the Louisville area. Uh, among those uh, will be uh, Joel Rosario and uh, Johnny V are going to be uh, r- racing down in Louisville when uh, it brings back up. Of course, Irad Ortiz, uh, Javier Castellano are going to join him. And also, we just found out today I saw where uh, David Cohen, a leading rider at Oaklawn Park, is going to be there. All right, a quick look at uh, last week's races uh, that, that we covered. Of course, uh, the highlight on Derby Day was the Arkansas Derby, and it's Todd Shrupp said it's the first Saturday in May and we're all in Millionaire's Row. And uh, we got to see in the uh, first division, uh, Charlatan, uh, inside rail, uh, just uh, uh, Vic Stoffer said, we will see you in September, my man, because he stamped his ticket to the Kentucky Derby, remains undefeated after three starts. Of course, the son of Spitestown, who's so hot right now, uh, goes on to stamp his way into the Kentucky Derby. In the second spot was uh, Derby Triple Crown nominee Basin. And in the third spot was Governor Morris. So Charlton bringing down a lot of headlines. And a race that I thought was a little bit tougher uh, was the second division of the Arkansas Derby. It was a stable mate, Nadal. Some people questioned whether or not uh, the, the, the distance would be a problem. But no, it wasn't. Um, uh, Nadal got the job done. He remains undefeated now in four starts. Now, he was challenged a lot more. Uh, King Guillermo, the uh, 
upset winner in the Tampa Bay Derby proved that uh, he is for real. Uh, of course, uh, baseball MVP Victor Martinez is the uh, one of the owners in Victoria's Ranch LLC of King Guillermo. He ran second. Finnick the Fierce, the one-eyed horse, ended up running third. So Nadal and Charlton from the Baffert Barn looking really good. We'll see what happens. They got a long way to wait for the first Saturday in September. And we've got a new star in the older horse ranks, and that is by my standards, the Brett Calhoun trainee is now three for three in 2020 and uh, took down the grade two $600,000 Oak Lawn handicap was very impressive. Uh, They're going to keep shopping for mile and eighth races. He is now three for three in uh, races at a mile and an eighth. Gabriel Sayez in the saddle uh, for Calhoun. And uh, looks like this horse, he hadn't run since the Kentucky Derby, where he squeezed and bumped. Obviously, something happened in that race. Uh, his connection decided just to give him the time off. He's a four-year-old now, son of Golden Sense. But again, he has really developed into a fine a routing horse, taking uh, the Oak Lawn handicap uh, and was... Uh, very, very impressive in doing so. Uh, and uh, Warriors Charge was the pace setter in there, held on for the second spot over Mr. Freeze, a horse that doesn't duck any competition, a son of the honor and serve, trained by Dale Romans. All right, that's a look at the national news and the races we handicapped last week. When we take a quick break and come back, really looking forward uh, to talking with Larry Scanlon, the the author of several books. Uh, The one I have most uh, recently been delving into is The Horse God Built, the untold story of Secretariat, the world's greatest racehorse. So we'll be going up to Canada to talk to Larry. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, uh, back here on Winning Ponies with uh, Larry Scanlon. Uh, he lives up in Kingston, Ontario. He's the author or co-author of more than two dozen books. Books, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the one I'm currently involved in is The Horse God Built, about the life of Secretariat, but even more important with a focus on the horse's groom, Eddie Sweat. And before this interview is over, I certainly want to ask him about uh, his involvement with Monty Roberts and a book that I read many moons ago, The Man Who Listens to Horses. Larry Scanlon, thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Hi, John. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. And uh, like you, these are times where we give different things uh, a, a lot of thought because we've got times to do it. Our daily schedule has changed. But we were talking off air about uh, one of the reasons why, as busy as you are, uh, you decided to uh, come on the show with us this evening. Would you reiterate that for our audience? So I do get um, requests for not uh, to talk about not just this book, but other books. And um, I, I sometimes say no if I'm busy, and I am busy with two other projects right now. So when you first approached me via email, uh, my first thought was, no, I, I really don't want to do this. I'm, I'm quite busy with these other things. But I got thinking about um, the affection that I grew to have for Eddie Sweat. Uh, he was the groom to Secretariat. And... Um, there are two photographs. I'm sitting in my, my reading room. Um, I, I live in Kingston, Ontario. It's at the north end of Lake Ontario, where it meets the St. Lawrence River. And I have two photographs. One is a black-and-white photograph that was taken by Raymond Wolf. I'm sure you know the name. Yes, he, I do. He um, was one of the biographers of um, Secretariat. The, the photograph shows Eddie. Uh, he's virtually nose-to-nose with Secretariat. They're on an airplane. Uh, the horse is being moved from the uh, stable in New York to Claiborne in Kentucky. And he's got a grip with his teeth of Eddie's uh, ski jacket. It's, it's the kind of contact that you might expect from, say, a grandchild uh, nervous and in the company of his grandfather and looking for a comfort from his grandfather. But we're talking about a 1,200-pound horse. And uh, so it just, it's just a perfect picture of um, the affection, the connection between this horse and this groom. And the other photograph, you mentioned in one of your notes that you knew uh, Sandy Hawley, the great Canadian jockey. Um, this photograph is, was taken by Tony Leonard, again, 1973, oh. just before the Belmont. Uh, Eddie is in the background. You can't really see him. But you can see his powerful thighs. He was a short, uh, chunky man. And in the foreground, looking majestic, is um, Secretary. He's like, a, he's like a, a burnished penny. He's just fantastic. And uh, so Sandy Hawley was married um, for a time to Sherry Lee Hawley, 
who was a trainer at Woodbine Racetrack in Toronto. And when I interviewed her before I left her house one evening, she said, here, I want you to have this. And she gave me this framed photograph. It's huge. It's uh, maybe two feet across by three feet uh, uh, high. And it's on my wall. And so every day I look at these two photographs. So anyway, um, Eddie Sweat is, um, is a one, was a wonderful guy. And uh, I've been thinking about him a lot as the pandemic reveals the what life is like for people who live on the margins, people who um, staff nursing homes and, and uh, who stock grocery shelves. They're not paid very well, but they do absolutely critical work. And the work that Eddie did was critical to Secretary Success. Well, uh, Larry, you mentioned, you mentioned Eddie and that poignant scene on the plane. Uh, Ray Wolf captured another one uh, that uh, highlights your chapter eulogy for a horse uh, on page 281 and uh, this I'm guessing it's the same jacket that Secretariat was tugging on and it, it's you can't see Eddie's face you just see his back and one piece of luggage but it appears that he is reaching up and wiping a tear yeah away. No, that's a different photograph this this photograph that I'm talking about, you can see Eddie. You can see the side oh, of his yes, face. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know it's a but different photograph. the photograph you're talking about is after um, Eddie has left Secretary, he's left him at Claiborne, he knows he's probably never going to see him again. And, yeah, he is for sure. He's wiping away um, a, a tear. Uh, um, Eddie was uh, uh, a man who was born in 1939 in uh, Chapel Hill, South Carolina. He was a black man raised in the Old South. Uh, he would never uh, raise his eyes when being spoken to by a white person, say the owner of the horse or the trainer of the horse. So he lived um, on the margins, and it was one of the privileges of researching this book that I got to meet some of his friends, people who loved him. So anyway, I, I do have this great feeling for Eddie, and uh, when I was approached back in 2005, I would say, by a Canadian publisher who said we should do a book on Secretariat. So I read the wonderful books by Ray Wolf and Bill Knack, and I thought, I have nothing to add to this story. Oh, you, you do. Until I, saw, until I saw a sculpture by a guy named Ed Boguki, and it was a sculpture. It's at Kentucky Horse Park uh, right now. It's a bronze. And it shows uh, Ron Turcotte, the jockey, aboard Secretariat. But the third element is Eddie Sweat. So once I became aware of how important Eddie was to the success of this horse, then I knew I had, I had something new to say about this horse. And you really do. I, I mean, Larry, there's been volumes written about Secretariat and uh, you know, thousands and thousands of photos. You mentioned Tony Letter. Tony was a personal friend of mine. Uh, mm -hmm. I was with him for one of his final meals. And I have pictures of Tony touching Secretariat's grave at Claiborne Farm because he was oh, yeah. probably the biggest chronicler of uh, Secretariat. But, but I digress. I just love writers like you that uh, try to find the story around the story and then you uh, g giving Eddie Sweat uh, kind of the, the, the spotlight in your book. It, I'm telling you, Larry, I just think it's fantastic and it adds just a whole nother dimension to the life of Secretariat. Well, thanks for saying that, John. Um, one of the pleasures of researching the book was that I got to read people like Ray Wolf and Bill Knack, but there was another guy, and you probably know this one too, 
His name is John Jeremiah Sullivan, and he wrote a book called Blood Horses, Notes of a Sports Writer's Son. And I'm just going to read very briefly what he wrote about Secretariat. He described him, and I'm quoting, not as the greatest horse, nor as the greatest runner, nor even as the greatest athlete of the 20th century, but as the greatest creature. The sight of him in motion is one of the things we can present to the aliens when they come in judgment, <laughs> asking why they should spare our world. Now, isn't that fantastic? Now, there's, there's a great writer. Uh, it, it, it is, and 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 quite frankly, I, I I did get to be around Secretariat at Claiborne Farm. Uh, I I was uh, personal friends with uh, the family of Gus Cook, the farm manager, and so yeah. he arranged for a private uh, photo uh, session with me. And he was just he looked at me, and mm-hmm. I, I was going for the confirmation shot. And most of the times, I've got grooms moving horses back and forth for 10 minutes to get the legs right. He took one look at me and saw that camera and said, I know what you're here for. (laughs) Struck the perfect confirmation pose pose with his legs right where they're supposed to be, put his head Mm -hmm. out. Uh, not quite straight at a slight angle, so I would get the eye and the, the neck muscles. And add, then after I took like 10 photos or something, he kind of looked me straight on like, all right, kid, are you done yet or you want some more? Mm-hmm. And he turned his head back and did it again. And uh, it was just his presence was unbelievable. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid and I see I know exactly where I was on uh, August 3rd, 1973, because you outlined his racing career. The one time I got to see him race, I've got a fantastic shot of Onion passing him at the quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was the Whitney Stakes, where even Ron Turcott told uh, Lucian Lauren, don't run him. He's not 100%. Right. And as uh, one trainer pointed out that you talked about, e- even the great ones, if they're not 100%, they're going to get beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, uh, you know, uh, so, but, but the picture that you paint of, of, of Eddie is just fantastic. Uh, again, I keep talking about the different people I know, but I, I know a guy that was a good friend with the son of Will Harbutt, who was the, the groom for Manowar. And the stories that these guys have are so personal about their relationship with the horse. It, it, it's fantastic. And, and it adds so much depth and fiber to what I think a lot of us love about this game. Yeah, I remember talking to um, Eddie's sister, and she described what Eddie, the state that he was in when he learned that Secretary had died. And she said to him something like, Eddie, he's not human. And Eddie said, no, he is. So they did have a, a special connection. Uh, Bill Nax said that Eddie spoke a kind of, he said that Eddie spoke in diphthongs, but other people said, no, he, he spoke... Um, a language that was developed off the coast of Carolina. It's part African. I think it's called Gula. Anyway, it's um, it really didn't make any sense. I mean, the horse couldn't understand English, but he could understand tone. And I think the remarkable thing about Eddie, this is what I was told, was that he never he never laid a hand on him. He was never rough with him. Uh, he might, if Secretariat was horsing around and maybe nipping at him, he would just kind of stare him down and use the tone of his voice to establish uh, control again. So they end, you know, um, 
it not not every day does a horse like Secretariat come into your your life. So I think Eddie knew that there was something special about that horse. He knew it almost from the get go, and they just had this relationship. And I think for those who who have not had a relationship with a horse, it may be hard to understand. But uh, there is something quite mysterious and, and magical about it, and uh, and Eddie had it. You know, the, the title of the book we're discussing right now is The Horse That God Built, The Untold Story of Secretariat, the world's greatest racehorse. But it should be the untold story of Eddie Sweat. And it, mm-hmm. it is you've put so much humanity, Larry, into this book that I'm going to shout it from the yeah, – and the book wasn't written this year. It's It's been out for a while. No, the book – this is, you know, I, and I've written written a few books, and um, this is the only one that has had. It, this book has legs. I mean, it came out in 2006 in hardcover, and I'm still getting very nice royalties for this book. This book continues to sell, and I think it speaks to um, the fascination, especially in your country, for Secretariat. But it also speaks to um, the horse-human connection. I think there is. There, people recognize that there was a, there was something there that is unusual, and that Eddie did not get the recognition. He certainly did not get uh, the financial recognition. A number of people talked about that. How really he should have had a greater share of the spoils. Bill Knack told me, you know, even one cover had somebody just said, okay, this secretary is going to cover one mare, and uh, the cost of that cover is going to go to Eddie Sweat. Um, but that didn't happen, and. You know, um, it may be true that Eddie wasn't very um, good with money. Certainly people around him sometimes <laughs> weren't very good with his money. But he died virtually uh, penniless. And so it's, um, in some ways it's a, it's a glorious story of, of, uh, of a man from humble beginnings. He was one of nine children, son of a sharecropper. And there he is um, at world center stage. But he dies um, impecunious. All the trophies, all the watches he was given, all that stuff simply disappeared, and, and he had nothing when he, when he died. So there's a bit of sadness about that. But, um, yeah, so he continues to, to fascinate me, this, this man. I went to his grave, very yes. humble grave, uh, in, uh, somewhere in, I forget where now, in, um, in South Carolina. So... And people still bring things to his grave. There were, when I was there, there were, there were plastic horses. Somebody had set down plastic horses. And in the same way, people come to Secretariat's grave. I mean, I've talked to people there who said people come and they have these emotional breakdowns. So <laughs> it's almost unexplainable, but the horse still, the horse and his groom still have a hold on some of us anyway. Well, you, you talk about the resting places of horses. And again, in, in Chapter 9, you talk about a gentleman um, <laughs> that I've had the, the ability to go out and, shall I say, party with at one point after the Ohio Derby, um, and who's in the headlines this week because of his passing, and that was when you got to meet Preston Madden. Oh, he, he's died, has he? That's too bad. Yes, he, yeah, just two days ago. Oh, that's too bad. 85 yeah. years old. But he was a character, people, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, these people are all gone. Eddie's gone, Benny Chenery's gone, uh, Lucien Laurent is gone. Um, I'm not sure about some of the other exercise riders who counted Eddie's friend, Charlie, um, Charlie Davis. I'm not sure if he's still around. 
But uh, uh, no, just yeah, just I, left I, us uh, about a year ago. Oh, okay. That's too bad. What a guy. Did yeah, you know yeah. Go ahead. Did you know Charlie as well? No, I only got to meet him at, um, they used to have a secretariat day in a county uh, near Lexington. And you'd go down right. things and it was all things secretariat. They'd have ponies dressed up like them and kids could pose on them. And depending right. on the year, but Bill Knack was there one year. Uh, yeah. Charlie Davis was there. Uh, I think Turcotte made an appearance. It wasn't always the same cast of characters every year, but it was always right. somebody that was connected uh, w- with him to, to some uh, extent. And, uh, you know, that itself was kind of great. Well, listen, I cannot conclude this interview with you because I'm so happy you, you uh, uh, granted me the time. Let's talk just briefly, if you would, about Monty Roberts. This is another one, folks. If you're if you're locked up in your house after you get the horse <laughs> that God built, you got to go out and get the man who listens to horses. What was no, that? You could ex- be my publicist. I'm going to hire you tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I did for 25 years. So, uh, but uh, it, it, describe what it's like to to work with such a unique individual as Monty Roberts. Oh boy! Well, he lives um, in Southern California. It's um, it's a pretty huge operation. Um, there's a racetrack there. Uh, he works with. Um, troubled horses all the time, horses that won't go into vans, horses that pull on ropes, um, horses that spook and shy. Um, he's absolutely fearless. Um, and I remember what, being with him out on the range when he, there was a horse called Shy Boy. Now, several books are written about Shy Boy, but he was a Mustang, and he wanted to make the point through um, video that it is possible to take a horse, a wild horse, off the range and in, in not too much time teach the horse um, that you, that is Monty, speaks that horse's language. And uh, so he's a, he's a, he was a, a tough character. I remember being hanging around the campfire with him and a bunch of cowboys. And uh, at one point, I think it was like 2 in the morning, and I said, I think I have to go to bed. It's cold out here. And uh, in the morning, one of the cowboys, a friend of Monty, said, why did you leave so early? And I said, well, you guys had to get up in the morning. And they said, well, that's, that's our life. One of the guys was a Marlboro man, the original, one of the original Marlboro men. Really? The on the, on the, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I, I thought the world of, of Monty. He, um, when we were off the air, you and I were talking about somebody you knew who had been taken in by Monty. And I remember um, Monty took in dozens and dozens of children, and he would use working with horses to teach these kids. And some of them had come from pretty hard scrabble backgrounds. And there was one young boy, maybe he was 16, and he had promised that he would faithfully water the horses. And he forgot once, and then he forgot twice. But finally Monty said, okay, here's what's going to happen. You are going to water that horse, but you are going to walk with a cup of water from the well, which is over there, and I don't know how far it was, maybe a few hundred meters away. And you're going to put cup by cup the water in that horse's pail. And as you know, a horse can slurp up uh, (laughs) a pail of water in no time flat. So that kid was a long time moving water a cup at a time, but he never, (laughs) ever forgot. (laughs) So one one of Monty's life lessons was, Sometimes you have to let people fail. Don't don't 
you know, if the kid is not uh, watering the horses, don't just step in and water the, the, the horse for him. You let him fail, and you let him deal with the failure. So, yeah, I, I, and, and also um, his wife was a wonderful uh, sculptor of, um, of bronzes involving horses. So they were very welcoming. Um, Monty was very kind to me, and um, I have nothing but fond memories of, of Monty Roberts. Well, uh, uh, Larry Scanlon, uh, I got your book off Amazon. Uh, it's it's obviously uh, not the only one you've written that's horse-related. And I also have some, shall I say, grand uh, cousins or nieces and nephews. Um, and I noticed that you've turned some of your books into children's books. So I'm guessing uh, everything that I have in what I pulled down is your bibliography. I'll be able to get those books off Amazon? Yeah, if you go to, um, I've got a website, laurenscanlon.com, and all the books are listed there. And yeah, a number of, uh, I did write a, um, a kid's book about uh, Secretariat and, and Eddie Sweat. Um, I've written a number of, I'm working on one right now, it's a young adult novel. So yeah, I do, uh, I do venture into, into that territory uh, now and again. But uh, I, I really appreciate the chance to talk about um, my work and, and about Secretariat, and uh, and I hope uh, that you in Arkansas are um, are enduring. I hope that uh, this pandemic thing uh, is somehow tamed at some point in the near future. It's looking pretty pretty grim right now, but um, well, we'll see. I, I'm hoping for a for a vaccine, some some relief that will allow us out of our houses and uh, and. Uh, you know, we'll go to the racetrack, we'll go to the theater, we'll go to movies like we used to. And don't forget, there are thousands of shorty sweats out there caring for these horses as we speak at the racetracks. So we need this industry to continue because these people cannot go unemployed and these horses cannot go uncared for. And I I think that's the most important message we need to send uh, to our lawmakers concerning the racing industry, even if for a while it's spectatorless. We need to keep these people employed. We need to keep these horses in training. And that is so important. And these people need to know it. It's it's not a light switch. You turn it on and off. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah. So here's Lauren, to life on Shedro. I hope that long may they long may they reign. And long, long may you continue to be involved in uh, writing fantastic stories about uh, horses and the people in their life. Again, Lawrence Scanlon, <clears throat> the horse that God built, the current one in my hand. Uh, but there are some other great. Uh, uh, books that he's been involved with. And again, I'm not going to name them all right now, but go to lawrencescanlon.com. You won't be wasting your number. You'll be uh, emailing me and thanking me for this suggestion. Thanks a million for joining us. You're very kind, John. Thank you very much. All right. That was Larry Scanlon. Going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to be talking with Jonathan Littner, the hardworking guy from Horse Racing Nation. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make...
make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, Jonathan Littner. Uh, he's a Louisville native who uh, uh, made the transition from public relations and marketing back to journalism back in 2017. He took over uh, as the editor of Horse Racing Nation. As you know, we have Brian Zipsy uh, on a lot, and he was one of the founders of that publication. And all I can say, Jonathan, is you stay very, very busy with your publication. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'd like to say if um, all these trainers and horsemen can do it seven days a week, then I should be as well. So that's, uh, that's how we go about it. Go. And you don't have to muck a stall along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know where to start because uh, you you cover the sport. I I, I would say your headlines are currently up to date of things that are going to happen this week. Things are happening right now and kind of, uh, you know, recaps uh, of of the bigger races. Uh, Then you have a section uh, that's kind of specific to the Kentucky Derby, which is uh, a moving, uh, you know, chess piece as, as we speak. And then of course, sad to say a new section that you had to add is, uh, updates on, um, coronavirus and how it's affected, uh, uh, the, the different, uh, tracks around the country. Let's start with the worst and move to the good stuff. Uh, the coronavirus. how much of the time, uh, with you as an editor, does this absorb on a daily basis? You know, it differs, but really every story you write is, influenced by it because that's where horses are running. That's where horsemen are going or in in most instances, as it's been the last couple of months, not getting to go uh, where they would like to be this time of year. So, you know, it's, it's kind of rare that the news today, the jockey club putting the caps on the uh, stallions 
I, I don't know if you, you've talked about that on the show yet, but no, I not yet. But I'm that. glad they did. I, well, I got that, and I thought that has absolutely nothing to do with coronavirus. How often are we getting anything like that that you could say that is completely independent of uh, the biggest story that in years of you know humanity really? Um, so that's kind of the extent to which it's dominated our headlines. Um, you know, to the point where I wonder if I even have to write a story. You know, this is because of the the coronavirus pandemic. Just because uh, you know, horses going here, going there. Um, that was obviously just the the big set of storylines for Oakland and their meet. And now, as we kind of transition into Churchill Downs being the the big spot for for major stakes, they're going to be left at least for the month of May. Well, uh, Jonathan, you're down in there in, in Louisville, and I, I, I'll be honest, I. Listen, not on a regular basis, but I've heard plenty of your governor's uh, daily press briefings, and I'm beginning to think some of these guys want to do it just so they get an hour's worth of airtime. Because I'm in the tri-state area, so I, I I get the Indiana, the Kentucky, and the Ohio governors, you know, and it's almost like I can't change the channels enough and get away from one of them. Um, but but you're there in Louisville, you know, and we get some conflicting reports out of there. What's the latest? Are they going to open the backside on the fifth? Fifteenth. Let's see. Is it the fifteenth? I, I was. I thought it was the eleventh. I might have to, to double check. I think it they was were, the eleventh. I'm sorry. Oh. I've got another state on my mind right now. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I confused them, but I'm easily confused. Yeah. So they they started. Um, actually, talked to Al Stahl. Um, he was coming from Louisiana to to Louisville the other day, and he said um, he had been to Churchill and. They were testing horsemen. He had to do the coronavirus test. I don't know if you've seen a video of that where they seems like they have to like touch your brain with a Q-tip before they're happy. Um, and everybody's eyes water afterwards. So <laughs> he said they were making everybody do that, and everything was on schedule. Um, they're obviously going to stagger when horsemen can come in, uh, you know, for good reason. So your population from Louisiana isn't coming into contact with your population from Florida, etc. And then. Uh, still go racing that weekend it's good to see i think they've they've done the stake schedule pretty sensibly um there's no stakes that first weekend there's definitely going to be some stakes caliber horses into some of the allowance fields there but yeah everybody some time to get settled and and for the stakes horses get to work over the track if they want to before they run that following weekend when they'll have uh, i believe it's four or five hundred thousand dollar stakes that'll lead into bigger races later in the meet uh and we know what's going to happen, but has anything leaked out about uh, assigning Derby points races to some of the horses in late July and August? So there's definitely some murmurs about that. Um, the, the only official addition to the Road to the Derby schedule is the Matt Wynn stakes, uh, which they've moved to May 23rd. So that's one of those uh, stakes that they'll have the, the first weekend there um, when, they're, when they're offering the added money races. But that's only going to be a 10-4-2-1 race. So you're basically back to November or late December if you want to think about a regular derby season. It's not going to be that influential of a race outside of the fact that it's expected to be the comeback spot for Maxfield, who hasn't run since uh, he won the Breeders' Futurity last fall. So that makes you think they're going to keep you know, somewhat of a regular scale, like the Haskell would be a 100-point race. Um, there's rumors. I've talked to horsemen who have heard that Belmont Stakes could be in late June. It could run at a mile and an eighth. Uh, so you'd be kind of bucking some tradition there in, in more ways than one, of course. And then, you know, you hear 
Canterbury Park would want to do a prep race. Um, Indiana Grand wants the Indiana Derby to be involved. Ellis Park would like to be involved. The Los Alamitos Derby is going to come up on that schedule. So it'll be interesting to see what points values they assign and, and how they weigh them. Uh, you know, is it based on purse money or prestige? Because you could look at the traditional derby schedule and, and know that it's all about timing. Um, but then <laughs> I think we've all thrown timing out the window in the way they're preparing. So it'll just be interesting to see what Churchill does officially. But uh, I think for now, on the record, it's looking like the Matt Wynn and the Losal Derby are official. And then I guess I should also mention that Del Mar would like to have a prep in California, which uh, I guess would probably have to be a 100-pointer based on the, the timing on the calendar. I would say if they move the date of the Travers, that considering it is the Midsummer Derby, you've got to give 100 points to that race. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you start to wonder about the triple crown. Um, I don't know. Is it on the books that the Belmont has to be the triple crown race? I mean, would, would there be a scenario where the Travers could be the first leg or something like that? I, I've just started to think about different scenarios or, or do you have to have a triple crown? I mean, it's been such an odd year. Um, I feel like people get so caught up in, can there be a triple crown winner and the, you know, the sacred nature of the timing and how the, the calendar has come with the, the two weeks until the Preakness and three until the Belmont. And it's like, this is just not going to be an ordinary year. I kind of want to hear what the verdict's going to be on the Triple Crown. So still a lot to look forward to. And it does seem like the prevailing thought is that most tracks are going to be able to get back to racing uh, without fans in a matter of time. Um, you know, I would say at first we didn't know who was going to stay in business or go out of business. So it does seem like there's been some progression in that regard. Well, <clears throat> I, it's just my hope, and maybe it's because I'm an old-timer, is that all of a sudden people are going to go, see, we could do the Triple Crown in the fall. We don't have to do, you know, rush these young three-year-olds. And that's going to change history forever as far as the Triple Crown is concerned. I understand this will be an asterisk year, no matter what happens. But I just hope, first of all, I hope it's over, uh, you know, uh, by the time uh, the season's done, that we do go back to the traditional triple crown. That's just me. Maybe I'm just being an old fart, but, um, you know, all, all these other people going, well, it's so much better if we have it in the fall. But then you've got to admit, how does that bump into the Breeders' Cup? Yeah, I mean, with the, uh, I'm sure you saw the reports about the Preakness stakes. Um, and October 3rd being a potential date this week. I think everybody got caught up in that initial report as saying that the Preakness was going to be on October 3rd. I saw a lot of people run with that headline when I'm, I believe that all of the TV station reported was that NBC had blocked off some airtime then, um, making that a, a candidate to be the Preakness stake state. So, you know, if you run the Derby on September 5th and the Preakness on October 3rd, there's really no time for the Belmont unless you run it before the Derby. You know, if there's no Triple Crown, it's going to be hard to get a horse to go to the Belmont over the Breeders' Cup Classic. I just feel like those would bump into each other a lot. Um, but I do agree with you on the timing and the tradition. I'd, I look forward to something hopefully normal next year. Um, I've always enjoyed the Derby as being that first time they kind of all come together and the first time they go a mile and a quarter, uh, we'll lose a lot of that this year, obviously, and, and I think everybody, it's not something to be mad about. It's just something to say, this is 
how it's going to be for one year. So I think that'll just make next May that much more special. Absolutely, because I, you know I think that's what stamps a, a triple crown winner as you know what he is. And it's that he had that durability, he had that adaptability to race at three different tracks within a seven-week span. And it's it just, it, it's an amazing sign of greatness. It really is. And all of a sudden start spreading them out, you know, all over the place. Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. But again, maybe it's just because I'm an old fart. No, I mean, I, I would be fine if they said there's just not going to be a Triple Crown offered this year. I, I don't think it takes anything away from the individual three races, but uh, I think it'd also be controversial because I, I think a lot of people t- would tune in to see a Triple Crown winner no matter the scenario. So something that's uh, above my pay scale. We'll just have to wait and see what they do. Well, we're talking to Jonathan uh, Littner uh, from Horse Racing Nation, and uh you know, I think that they will, and I'll tell you why, Jonathan, is because of the monetary value, not just to the horses, but that's each track's biggest day of racing. Yeah, it's going to be big either way. I, I You know, you could, you could probably sway me. I, I just feel like if they said a triple crown was on the line on October 3rd at Pimlico, is that really, do we really want that horse to be weighed it the same as you know 13 great horses before am i you know to get to get the benefit like you were saying it's a sign of greatness to win the the triple crown when it is on the schedule but i also think it it sort of embodies the entire career of you were ready at that certain time in a three-year-old horse's development um you almost have to have no hiccups from start to finish um you know unless bob baffert trains you so I, just, I don't know. I, I, you could you could go either way on that. Um, I guess a, a, you know a triple crown is it's good for my business, so I shouldn't be uh, saying that I don't I don't want to see one this year. It, it is. It is. Well, again, I I really thank uh, uh, Jonathan Littner coming on with us. Uh, never a dull moment, if nothing else. That uh, th- this season is keeping you on your toes because there's nothing about it that's regular. Well, it's so funny. I, I talk to people, and it's like for a sport where we talk about how they've been doing this for 150 years, and it's horses going in circles. How much can change every year? I mean, the, the premise of the race doesn't change, but just the storylines uh, never end. It's it's a fun sport to cover. Well, uh, nobody covers it as as good as uh, Jonathan Littner and his staff at uh, Horse Racing Nation. Like I said, it's not a subscription you pay for. You sign up. It's free. Jonathan, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, again, I thank you from Horse Racing Nation, and I thank Lawrence Scanlon. Uh, again, uh, you can uh, uh, check him out at lawrencescanlon.com for all the great books that he's written uh, concerning uh, horse racing. Uh, I, I wish the best for uh, you and your family, and let's hope this storm blows over and racing comes back stronger than ever. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Winning Ponies. We hope you'll join us next week. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week. 
and may your photos always be winners.